And I'm Kamna. We are women who have struggled with body image issues and weight in one way or another. We want to normalize the struggles that we all face and find comfort in the fact that we are not alone. At the same time, we want to explore ideas that have worked for others to discover changes that might work for us. And at the end of every episode, we will create a call to action. And we encourage you to make your own call to action. Hi, Kamna. Hi, Leah. So we have a very special episode this week. Tell me about it. All right. So first of all, let's just let everybody know that we're taking a little break for our normal format, right? So we're not going to share a call to action on this episode. Don't worry. We're still doing it. I'm going to remind everybody is to be more mindful of the hours Mm -hmm. between eating and yours. Mine was to drink water to make sure that I'm not dehydrated instead of hungry. So we're getting back to that. But in the meantime... I feel like we need like a drum roll oh, or... Oh, it's so exciting. Oh my gosh. I took a deep breath. I can't even breathe after that episode. Actually, I sighed big. So you go ahead. You tell. We are very, very excited for the interview. We think you're going to love it. Um, you're going to... No, you will love it. It's really informative. Listen to the whole thing. It's fun. Um, and you're just going to love our guest. Also, you're going to want to listen to it twice. Just saying. Well, we are very excited today. We have a very special guest with us, Jordan Syatt. What is going on? Thanks for having me. I apologize. I, I'm, I usually sound nasally, but now I sound even more nasally because I have a little bit of a head cold. So apologies in advance, but thank you for having me. So does Kamna. So it's perfect. You got, yeah. I'm the only one. <laughs> I think there's something going around. Where, where are you two based? In the Cleveland area. Ohio. Oh, Cleveland. oh Ohio. Awesome. Oh, I'm going to be, I'm going to be in Columbus in like two, oh, two weeks or so. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Where are you you based? Dallas, in Dallas. Okay, okay. What are you going to come on this for? If we can ask. Yeah, there's a. So, do you know Westside Barbell by chance? A a very famous powerlifting gym. So, Westside Barbell and also Elite Fitness Systems. I'm going to go on a couple podcasts in that area. I I used to. I lived in Columbus for like four months one summer uh, when I was training at Westside Barbell. So, I'm going to go back and do a podcast there and a couple other podcasts in the area. Oh, Oh, nice. Fun. Very yeah. Fun. I say you do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a good time. It's fun to go back and, and to visit my old stomping grounds. To, to borrow a page from your podcast. Um, do you want to share your contact information and socials and. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, if, uh, if you Google my name, you'll be able to find me everywhere, but Jordan Syatt, S-Y-A-T-T. I have my own podcast, Instagram, YouTube, all that good stuff. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. So I reached out to you because you were doing a cut mm, and I was yes. fascinated with it. Could you explain what that was? Yeah. So basically, um, my, my wife was pregnant at the time. We now have like a five and a half month old, beautiful daughter. And, um, throughout her pregnancy, she was not the only one who gained weight. I also gained, uh, like 15 pounds or so. And I was like, all right, enough is enough. I, uh, I, my, I basically have one pair of jeans that are like my tester jeans and they were too tight. And I was like, this is uncomfortable now and I don't want to buy new ones. So I'm going to get my shit together and, uh, just go into a a calorie deficit and lose a little bit of weight. So I wanted to document that for my audience. I wanted to show everyone because I talk about weight loss all the time and, and how simple it can be and how you can do it sustainably. And so I, every day I would show my way in and I would show people what I was eating and how much and all of that. And 
over the course of, it was just about, well, it was like two months. I lost like 12 pounds and I've, I've lost another four pounds or so since then the end. So I've lost about like 15, 16 pounds. Um, and now I've been maintaining it for the last several months. And it's basically, uh, anytime someone talks about a cut, it's, it's basically they're losing weight and there are some extreme cuts like rapid fat loss and they're more slow and sustainable. Like I call it a mini cut, something more slow. And that's what I did very uh, relatively slow, about two pounds a week or so, uh, one to two pounds a week. And, um, and that was it. And, and so now I'm, I basically have a range of about 10 to 15 pounds that I fluctuate within. And once I reach that higher end, I rein it back in. And once I reach that lower end, then I can relax a little bit. And that's how I maintain my weight. So when you say calorie deficit, explain this to me, because this is where I struggle with like, here's my example. I was telling Kamala earlier. I said, so like, let's say I eat 1500 calories. Okay. And I burn per my Fitbit, just my normal daily, like 2,100. Yep. Is that what you mean by calorie deficit? So it's a great question. Uh, and what I this is where a lot of people get hung up. Okay. Do not pay attention to what your Fitbit tells you. Okay. Do not pay attention to that because it is wrong. Okay. And it is highly variable. And, and there's a tremendous amount of research on this. That And listen, I, I, have, a, I have a Garmin. Okay. I, tr- I turned that feature off. Really? I, I don't look at it. I do not look at it because it, it's incorrect. So <clears throat> I have a, a calculation. It's very simple. You take your goal weight. So let's say you want to weigh 150. It's in pounds, by the way. So if anyone's in the UK or whatever, it's you tr- transfer kilograms to pounds. But okay. you take your goal weight in pounds and you multiply it by 12. So let's say you want to weigh 150 pounds. 150 times 12, I believe, uh, is is 1,800 so you'd have 1800 calories per day. And that's, it's regardless of what your Fitbit is telling you, you don't, you don't even think about that in car, in terms of how many calories you're burning. Cause it's, it's incorrect. And it's going to, it's going to screw up, you up mentally. And the cool people will say, well, then how do I know how many calories I'm burning? You don't need to know. Oh, why? Tell me why. Well, because what we're looking at is it lets you want to lose weight. Your, mm-hmm. your weight is going to be the, the marker of progress, right? Mm-hmm. So let's say you're eating 1800 calories a day okay. and you're, you're losing about on average a pound a week. It's working. If you're eating 1800 calories a day and you go a month and you haven't lost any weight, it's not working. Reduce your calories. So go to 1700. So you don't need all the more variables you have, the more difficult it becomes. Now, the only variable is calories in. And now we look at your weight. So only focus on how many calories you're eating, mm-hmm. check out your, your progress over time, track your weight over time. And that way you can know if it's working or not. Like simple as that. Wow. Oh, you just made it so easy in a second for me. It's so much more simple this way. And because your calories burned changes every day for any number of reasons. Don't worry about that. Just calories in, keep that the constant. 1800 a day or whatever it is, 50, whatever right. the fuck your calories are, keep that constant, track your progress over a month, not over a day or two days, over a month, track it from, that's why. So in my app, I have a, a, a weight tracking function that I would post yeah. during my mini cut. And I would show the trend line as like to show, okay, here I'm going down. Like you can see my trend over time, even though there would be fluctuations up and down, you'd see the trend was actually still downward. That the trend is what matters, not the individual weigh-ins. So I weigh every day, but I compare month to month. So what I mean by that is, Let's say June one, I weigh in. Okay. I don't. Com- I do not compare my weight on June one to my weight on June second. That's stupid. 
That the, like that makes no sense. I don't compare my weight on June one to my weight on June third. That is also stupid. It doesn't make any sense. I compare my weight on June one to my weight on July one. I compare my weight on June 2nd to my weight on July 2nd. I look at the trends monthly. And this is important for everyone, but especially for women, because your weight fluctuates uh, in relation to your menstrual cycle. Right. So oftentimes during your period, you'll get a big spike and it'll come down. And women will often get frustrated. They'll say, why is my weight spiking up? Well, it's because it's your period. We know that. Right, but right. what I would look at is, let's say you have your period around like the 15th of the month, whatever it is. Well, cool. So in June... Your, your weight might spike up five pounds and in July, it might spike up five pounds, but the spike will actually be lower than the previous month. Obviously, June 15th is going to weigh more than June 7th because you have this spike every month, but let's compare it equally across every month. So let's compare June 15th to July 15th to August 15th to September 15th so we can see the downward trend of the spike. Right. Does that make sense? So you, right. you track every day, but you don't compare until it's month to month. So right. my app doesn't even allow you to compare until you've tracked for at least 30 days. Really? Correct. The, the little spikes and the fluctuations that you see on a daily basis, you're saying don't even pay attention to that. They're irrelevant. It's like if if you invest in the stock market and your, your investing strategy is to take it out and put it in every day based on the fluctuations, your investing strategy sucks. It's like if you're changing your diet based on these random fluctuations, your diet sucks. You, you need to be very aware that these random fluctuations mean nothing and you have to track month over month over month, compare, track daily, but compare monthly. And that's why whenever I would do one-on-one coaching, I would always say, we're going to track every day for this first month or your weight. You are not allowed to complain for this whole month because we are not comparing until we, this whole month is all data collection. Day one through day 31 is all data collection. We don't have enough data to compare until we have at least one month. So I, I would immediately, if you complain in this first month, I'm refunding your money and we're done. Like I'm, I'm not going to work with you for complaining in the first month, be consistent. We'll track the data and then we'll compare next month. So I was very severe with that early on. Cause I was like, I'm fucking tired of people complaining when, like, well, I was in a calorie deficit for 12 minutes. I haven't lost weight. Well, yeah, it's been 12 fucking minutes or three days, whatever it is. It's, we have to compare over a long period of time. This is people say with their mouths, it's a slow, steady pro- process, but then with their brains, they step on the scale day one, day two. Well, it didn't go down. Why isn't it working? Well, it's been one day. Like take, it takes time. I liked when you were posting about that, how you would say, well, what do you think it's going to be today? Is it going to be a spike or is it going to be a drop? Yeah. You can almost predict what was going to happen. Yeah. That was really interesting. It's it that comes from weighing myself so often. Right. And so I think of weighing yourself like the scale has its own language. And I think a lot of people, they don't speak scale is how I phrase it. Like they don't know the language that the scale speaks. They don't know why it'll spike up. They don't know why it'll, it'll drop down. They don't know why, why it will do different things. It's sort of like, imagine, I'm assuming neither of you speak Chinese or Mandarin, but like, imagine if I just started speaking Mandarin and, and like, you got upset at something I said, like, I can't believe you said that. It's like, but you didn't know what the fuck I said. Right. That's like you getting mad at the scale having fluctuations, or it's also like you getting super excited when the scale goes down, but you have no idea why. It's the scale is speaking to you and you aren't speaking the same language. Whereas when you weigh consistently, you can learn, oh, okay, so if I eat a lot of salt, my weight's gonna spike up. There's no reason to get upset about it. It's just because I'm holding on to more water. Oh, this is around the time that I'm going into my period. So I know the weight's gonna spike up seven pounds. Cool. I'm not gonna get upset about it. 
when a lot of people say you shouldn't weigh yourself because they think that the scale is bad. It's, it's, it's an inanimate object. You shouldn't weigh yourself. You shouldn't let it dictate your emotions. Well, if you step on the scale and you get mad at the scale, it's like you're getting mad at an inanimate object. That's that's a you problem, not the scale's problem. The scale isn't bad. Your relationship with the scale is bad. We should be able to step on it without having an emotional response. And that only comes from learning how the scale works. Interesting. I know. You just made it all sound so simple. Again, <laughs> go back to simple. So I have a, a, a question for you that you're going you're gonna to probably roll your eyes at, but <clears throat> you talk about calorie deficit a lot. And about how that is really the trick to losing weight is to be in a calorie deficit. So what if I'm in a calorie deficit, but I'm eating like Reese's peanut butter cups and potato chips, but I'm still in a deficit. Is that, what do you think about that? Well, I think from a health perspective, that's fucking stupid. Okay. <laughs> yeah. From a weight loss perspective, it will still work. Have you, have you seen my Big Mac challenge? I haven't, no. Oh. So if you go to my YouTube, so I saw Supersize Me like everyone else uh, and I was livid. Well, when I first saw it, I was in high school and it actually, maybe even middle school, one of those. And it, I think that's actually what I gave my TED talk on. I gave my TED talk on Supersize Me. Um, I think that documentary single-handedly rose the rates of or increased the rates of disordered eating more than you could possibly imagine. That was one of the most cherry picked awful documentaries I can imagine. Um, so basically I made my own version where I was like, well, I'm going to eat a Big Mac every day for 30 days and I'll show you that I can still lose weight. And I ate a Big Mac every day for 30 days. It's not all that I ate, but I ate a Big Mac every day and I documented the entire thing. It's like my featured video on YouTube and I lost seven pounds in 30 days. Um, there's a professor out of Canada at one, I think it was the university of Montreal. He did something called the Twinkie diet where he ate only Twinkies and ding dongs for 30 days. And not only did he lose weight, but also his blood markers improved. Everything improved because he was a little bit heavy. He was, who was overweight. So when you lose body fat, well, obviously right. your, your health markers are going to improve. So I obviously having, um, having Twinkies and, and peanut butter cups and all that, and having your diet solely be of that is a terrible idea for long-term health and sustainability. But what we have to understand is health and fat loss are not the same thing. If we look at a Venn diagram of health and fat loss, there's some overlap, but health and fat loss are not the same thing. There are people who are very, very lean and skinny and very unhealthy. And there are other people who have a little bit higher body fat who are very, very healthy, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, Obviously, there's clear, clear data showing that too high of a body fat over a long period of time is very dangerous to your health. But it, the whole purpose here is that you can still lose weight and eat foods that are not quote unquote healthy. But like that begs the whole question, well, what is a healthy food? Like, is it organic? Is it low carb? Is it low fat? Is it, uh, is it paleo? Like, is it low sugar? what's what's healthy right and th that comes down to there is no inherently healthy or unhealthy singular food because health is far more than a single food or a single meal like imagine if someone who is super unhealthy smoking cigarettes like sitting down all day never working out eating like shit all of a sudden they have a salad are they healthy now right. of course not not aren't they <laughs> <laughs> Or like, imagine, like, let's say someone like me, who's like generally pretty healthy. Like I, I work out very consistently. I eat very well. I, let's say I have a, I have a whole pizza. Am I unhealthy now? 
Is my mm-hmm. blood work drastically changing? Am I, am I now like my blood pressure? Su- no, it's like right. health is what you do consistently over a long period of time. So it's, it's very short-sighted to say that one food is healthy or unhealthy when the reality is health is, I would actually say, I would say this, let's say you have someone who, let's say it's my daughter's birthday party. Let's say that. Okay. And she's like, daddy, daddy, like, come have, come have pizza with me. And I say no, because I'm scared that having a slice of pizza will make me fat. Mm-hmm. Is that a healthy relationship with food? No. Because we all now know health isn't only physical, mental health is a huge aspect of health as well, right? Is that a healthier relationship with food that I can't have a fucking slice of pizza with my daughter on her birthday party because I'm scared it's going to make me fat? No, I would say the person who can enjoy a couple slices of pizza and then get back on track is far healthier than the person who will not say have will not have any of that food because they're scared it's going to make them fat and unhealthy. That's called orthorexia nervosa. That's a real fucking problem. That's a real health issue. People go to outpatient therapy for. For it. Uh, it's, it's a problem. So there's no one food that's inherently good or bad. It's what you do with your lifestyle as a whole over time that determines whether or not you're healthy. Mm-hmm. That's a great definition of healthy consistently over time. I love that. Thank you. I, I want to um, ask you about your um, X's and O's on your, I think it's on your app. Yes, correct. Yes. Can you go into that a little bit? Yes. So basically I, I made a consistency calendar. And the reason that I'll tell you the story behind making it. So I, when I was doing one-on-one coaching, I was getting, I was doing a lot of, I was, I've coached a lot of people. I've coached a lot, a lot of people. And, and online, it's very interesting because I coached a lot of people in person for many years. Then I switched to online and online is actually better for nutrition coaching than in person because online you get these daily communications via email, whereas in person, it's just random discussions here and there. So in person, I think is actually better for, for working out online, I think is better for nutrition. But when you work with people online for nutrition, they email you every day, or I would have email me every day. Tell me your, your weight, your calories from yesterday, your protein from yesterday, your fiber, uh, and any questions or comments you have. They would send me their, their weight every day, pictures every two weeks, uh, or measurements every two weeks, pictures every four weeks. And I would, I would have, I would have such amazing insight into the psychology of these people because I got emails every day. And I, on one day I'd get an email from someone they'd say, "Ugh, like I haven't been consistent for the last week. I've gained a couple pounds. I'm just not hitting my calories, da, 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 da. The next day, they will email me and they'll say, I'm so frustrated. Why aren't I losing weight? I'm doing everything perfect. This is within 24 hours. Mm-hmm. And, I, and this is not just one person. This would happen a lot. And I'd say, could you just go back to the email you sent yesterday and remind me why you think you're not making progress? And like, oh my God, I completely forgot that the last four days I was not on point in my account. I completely forgot. And they had an, a moment of emotion, right? And the, the emotion just wiped out all the logic they had. So I was like, all right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start tracking my client's consistency based on what they report as their calorie intake. So I started in personally tracking their client, my client's um, consistency. So if they hit their calories, hit their protein, hit their fiber, I, cool. I would, I would check off the day. If they did not, I would just do a circle. And I don't know why I chose a circle. I don't know why I didn't do an X, but for whatever reason, I did a circle. Awesome. So now I have these calendars for my clients. So at the end of a month, if they said, oh, I just feel like I should have made more progress, I would send them a picture of this calendar. And I'd say, look, you have 15 Xs and 15 Os. Xs 
represent or 15, uh, yeah, 15 X's, 15 O's, whatever it is. It's like you were consistent 50% of the time. Can you expect to make progress on 50%? Like that's an, you failed. That's an F. If you got 50% on a test in school, you got, you flunked. If, if you get 80%, that's a B minus in order to get 80%, you have to be consistent 24 out of 26, 24 to 26 days. So, and a lot of people are like, oh my God, I had no idea I wasn't being that consistent. Then I gave them the calendar. I was like, all right, every day that you hit this, now I put the onus on them to track it. So then they started tracking if they were, if they were consistent, they would, uh, if they were consistent and they would do an X, if they were inconsistent, they'd do an O. And then, uh, and then they started being like, holy shit. Like I'm literally like 30 to 50% consistent every month. So then I made it, I, I made it for my inner circle, uh, members. I made a, an, a consistency calendar in the app where like they can put it in, where they consistent, where they not. And it tracks their percentage score over the course of the month. So over the course of the month, they can see, all right, I was only 48% consistent. I do not deserve to complain about my lack of results. I was 80% consistent. I made great progress. I didn't make as much as the person who was 94% consistent, but I also enjoyed myself more than the person who was 94% consistent. The person who was 94% consistent was so dialed and so on track that they like, they didn't enjoy themselves when into the Super Bowl party this weekend. They like, they stayed on track. Whereas I, went over my calories. I was inconsistent, but I still had a great month overall and I made progress. So the consistency calendar allows you to see number one, how consistent you're being. And number two, it allows you to see, listen, I don't want to be hundred percent consistent. I want to find this sweet middle ground of like 75 to 85% so that I can still make progress without it controlling every waking moment of my life. Mm. That makes sense. How do you attract your food? Uh, so it depends. So some people will track it with calorie counting. Um, I did that for many years when I was younger. So now I can just look at a plate of food and know within about a hundred calories, how much it is. But at this point, I don't even really do that now. Um, I used to now I, I think I do more of intuitive eating a more intuitive approach. Um, with that being said, I only arrived at the ability to do more intuitive eating because I meticulously tracked my calories for years. And I taught myself like, you can't intuitively eat if you, if you're operating off of a basis of zero, of zero knowledge, like you can't do that. And, and a lot of people say, well, we're designed to intuitively eat. Well, we're designed to intu intuitively eat if we don't have a pantry full of fucking food. And like, we're not sitting on our asses all day. Like if you're like out hunting and gathering and building and all and running around and the only foods you have access to are like plants and vegetables and berries and like whatever you could catch to eat. Yeah. Then you can intuitively eat, but like you can't intuitively eat Papa John's that doesn't fucking exist. Right. So in, I've trained myself to do that. Through learn through calorie counting and learning and learning my own hunger cues and hunger signals, but right now if I like when I did my mini cut, like I I loosely tracked my calories and I could okay listen I know I'm probably eating about eighteen hundred calories a day and I was probably within like two hundred calories of that without question every day. How long did it take you to really learn to become an intuitive eater? Uh probably like seven to eight years. Yeah. A long time, a long time. Um, and I don't, I know it's not the answer that everyone wants to hear. They want to hear, well, how can I do it in the next month? Mm -hmm. Even that's too long, but like it's, it, that's just the truth. And I know there are some people, my wife, for example, my wife is like a true intuitive eater in that, like on our very first date, my wife, I'll never forget this. My wife told me she, she didn't believe in counting calories. And, uh, and 
I wanted to just end the date right there. I was like, all right, well, I'm, I'm done. But I was like, no, whatever. Like, she's so sweet. And like, and that just came from what she had been fed from the knowledge she had been fed on, on social media. She didn't know any, she, this isn't her industry, like at all. She's just like, that's just what she said. Um, and my wife has like the best relationship with food of anybody I've ever met in my life, just naturally. Like she'll just, if she's done eating, she'll stop eating without even really thinking about it. Um, if she, if she wants, if she's craving chocolate, like we have, um, these Reese peanut butter cup, uh, like Justin's Reese peanut butter cup things that like they're mm-hmm. small little things in the, in the freezer, she can legit just go have two and that's fine. And it's, that's unbelievable for most people. Like that's like a very high level. So in the same way that some people are genetically better at certain things, like LeBron James genetically is a basketball phenom and, and we can LeBron James is in the NBA, right? The NBA is the top tier best basketball in the world. And LeBron James makes other NBA players look like junior varsity players, right? Like other players who are getting paid millions and millions of dollars, no matter how much they train, no matter what they do, LeBron James will always be the best genetically, no matter what. Some people are just naturally better at some things than others. And some people are going to have a harder time with food than others. And for me, it was very difficult for me. I can, I, my whole family is, is severely overweight. I'm the only one that's not. Uh, I just actually helped my brother lose 150 pounds over the last like two wow. years. Um, he struggled with his weight his whole life. My mom, my dad, everybody. Um, and there are many, I think there are genetic, I don't think there are definitively genetic components of this. We can see different cultures around the world who, who, uh, histor- who historically struggle with it more than others. Um, there's a lot of underlying reasons why it might be more difficult for some people, not least of which is hunger. So like not everyone experiences hunger in the same way. Mm-hmm. Some people, their hunger is far more severe for versus others. Like someone for my wife, like she can get full very, very easily. For me, I could just eat like nonstop. And yeah. that stems from a history of binge eating when I was a high school wrestler and all of that. But hunger levels are different, which is why I'm not inherently against a lot of these weight loss drugs because some of them, what they do is they just help blunt hunger for people who experience hunger at a much higher degree than other people. So um, I'm not the biggest fan. If someone just wants to lose 20 pounds for aesthetics, I'm not a fan of getting like a weight loss drug, but for someone who is severely overweight and their health is, is at major risk. Yeah, absolutely. Let's discuss this weight loss drug and potentially use it. But there are so many factors that influence why or how someone will, will, how long it will take them to become an intuitive eater. And for some people, it's just going to take five, six, seven, eight years. It's, it's a long time. It's a lot of work. And it's not linear progress. Throughout those, you'll go up and down and you'll make mistakes and you'll falter. You got to pick yourself back up and go again. Wow. Good. I was just going to ask you, you helped your brother lose 150. Was that hard? As a brother, sibling wise, like to work with him, or did you have to put a coach hat on and move the brother hat? Uh, well, so, so we're very open about this. We actually didn't talk for like 10 years. Okay. So my brother and I had a big split, uh, when I was like 20 years old or yeah, 19 years old. Uh, it was not because I wanted it. He wanted it. Uh, and I continuously tried to reach out and, and he just didn't want it. So like, okay, that sucks, but it is what it is. Finally, once he got to be a certain weight, he was like, I need your help. And that's actually what brought us back together was he was like, he tried everything. Like he tried all these juice cleanses and detoxes, all the stuff I shit on, on social media Mm -hmm. all the time. He did it. And I partly think he might've done it out of spite because I talk shit about it all the time. Right. 
finally, about a year and a half, two years ago, he reached out. He was like, listen, I, I need your help. He's like, I want to have a family. I want to have kids. And like, I can't do this. Like, I know it's not going to happen with like this. So um, it was I think it was easier because we had so much distance. It was almost like I was just his coach. Like I was very happy to have this relationship back, but our interactions were not like, yo, bro, what's up? It was more just like, I was very, I was like, okay, like I want to foster this relationship and I I'm going to treat it like a coach client relationship as opposed to like, and even now, like we're on very good terms now, but it's still not like bro relation. It's very much just like, coach client and like friendly. Okay. That yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. So oh. we, um, in our last whatever minutes we were thinking, cause we just have so many questions to do a little bit of a rapid fire. <clears throat> just so you know, I suck with rapid fire <laughs> forever. So whatever it's anything you want. The beauty of us is we just make up our, our own rules. So if it takes five minutes for a rapid fire, whatever. Yeah. I love it. I love it. What is your birthday meal? My birthday meal, mm-hmm. pepperoni pizza. Really? Yes. Love. And, 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 you know, I, I'm not supposed to eat pork because I'm Jewish, but uh, that's the one time that I, I let myself have it, have pepper. I fucking love pepperoni pizza. So that's, I get a large pepperoni pizza for sure. <laughs> what do you drink with it? Uh, usually a Diet Coke. Okay. That was <laughs> my next question. Go ahead. Is that your favorite drink? Yeah. Um, that's like my favorite, like, um, treat drink on, on, like I'll have like one a day or so. Um, my favorite alcohol drink is tequila. That's like my go-to for, for alcohol. Uh, but like daily I, I, I have Topo Chico seltzer as like my usual water on a daily. So speaking of the alcohol, if you're going out, you're picking tequila because you like it or because it's low calorie or is there. So tequila for me, it, I started drinking it because it was low calorie. So I, I love beer. I, I really do like beer, but it bloats the hell out of me. And I don't know. I, it, every time, no matter what the beer is, it the, actually the only beer that doesn't bloat me is Guinness. And when my wife will tell you, when we went to Ireland and went to the Guinness factory, I got fucked. It was bad. Um, uh, like it was, I was shit faced. It was really not good, but, um, I started drinking tequila just because I was at my friend's house and yeah, try this one. And I felt amazing. Like I didn't have a hangover. Um, it was like a very, uh, just a, a nice drunk, just, you know, it was a nice drunk. And like, I didn't go over, I know some people are like, Oh, I go crazy on tequila for me. It's like, I can enjoy it. And I don't feel bad about it. I don't feel bad t- having it. And I, I never get hung over from it. I love wine, but if I'm going to have wine, I usually have like a whole bottle and I, my, the hangover is terrible and the calories are outrageous. My wife loves wine. She has wine like every night. I'll have more tequila, like three to five nights a week. Okay. Yeah. So you can fit in the alcohol even when you're doing a cut. Oh yeah. Yeah. And especially with tequila because it's so low calorie. So my favorite drink, it's called a ranch water. I don't, I hadn't heard of it until I moved to Texas. When I first heard it, I thought it meant people put like ranch dressing in their drinks. And I was like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. It's, it's literally just, you take seltzer. So I see Topo Chico and I take a couple shots of tequila. I have Siempre tequila. It's my personal favorite. Uh, uh, Topo Chico seltzer. And then I'll put uh, some lime juice in there. Good to go. It's like super low calorie and delicious. It's very refreshing. It's a nice summery drink. I wonder why it's called ranch water. I know. Yeah. I think I made this up, but I like to think it's because cowboys would have it on the ranch 
Okay. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I'll go with it. I'll go with it. <laughs> it's huge here in Texas. Every every restaurant has a ranch water in Texas. What is your go-to for eating out? Do you have like a place or a meal that you like to eat out? I love sushi and my wife loves sushi. And like when we, I was brought up eating sushi, my wife was not. And I remember when we first started dating, she, she, she said she didn't like it before she even tried it. And I was like, no, 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 no. And so we went to try it and she fell in love with it. Uh, and so we have a sushi restaurant right across the street from us. It's family owned and it's like, it's amazing. So we go there way too often. Um, and I love it. It's also like, you know, it's fish. It's super, super, super nutrient dense and, and relatively low calorie as well. But um, right now we're on a big sushi kick because I would like to have another child and my wife would as well. But before she gets pregnant, she wants to have as much sushi as she can. But it's funny because the last time she was pregnant, uh, we were talking with our, our doctor about it and they were like, yeah, that's a myth. You're actually allowed to still have sushi. They were saying women in Japan eat sushi all throughout their pregnancy. And she was saying women in Italy often like still drink a, a little bit of wine when they're pregnant. Like a lot of these myths that were told about like women cannot have sushi or not have wine when they're pregnant. It's like, obviously you don't want to have a ton and you don't want to have sushi from a fucking gas station. You don't want to have a right. whole bottle yeah. of but like higher quality stuff in moderation is totally fine. Shocker. So, uh, I, she wants to be safe and, and not have it when she's pregnant, but, uh, yeah, so we're on a big sushi kick right now, just in case before, before she gets pregnant, God willing. I think, um, what um else? did you have any more? Uh, yeah. Um, if you had a con, I have a lot of questions. Let's if do it. Concentrate on, um, only one thing for weight loss. What would it be? If I had to concentrate on one thing for weight loss, what would it be? Calories. That would be it. Now I will say if you had, if the question had been, been, if you had to concentrate on one thing for health, I would have given a different answer. Oh. So for weight loss calories, it's, it's the most important. It's the priority. Number one, you cannot lose fat without being in a calorie deficit, no matter what. I don't care if you're intermittent fasting or doing paleo or, or carnivore or vegan. What I don't care. The only way to lose calorie, lose weight is to be in a calorie deficit to be healthy. Your priority should be steps and movement. And, and we see this across the board, all over the world. We could look, if you Google search, like the, the health, the longest living people in the world, you'll find, I believe, um, I think uh, China, somewhere in China is number one. I think Singapore is up there, but then you'll also see like Sweden and Switzerland in the top 10. Uh, I believe you'll see Italy, you'll see Greece and a lot, you'll see a lot of these cultures who have vastly different diets, like completely different diets based on where they are but they all walk a lot. The movement is the most important thing above all else for health long-term. And the people who live the longest, they're not shredded to bits. They're not jacked. They're not shredded. They often have a little bit of extra body fat. They're, they're not fat, like they're not obese, but they have a little bit of extra body fat. They often have very relatively low stress lifestyles. They're not grinding and hustling. And it's one of the reasons I'm trying to take a step back from work so I can focus more on just being present with my family and not like stressed out with my business as much. I think the Western society has, has placed far too much emphasis on money and fame and work and hustle and grind and not on as much on just, Hey, let's maybe take the afternoon off with your family. Um, because that's what I see being the, the most common relevant factors among the long, longest living are people who walk and move the most and have a great balance in life of work and family. Okay. That's a- 
beautiful way to end it. Yeah. Unless you had another one. No, I know you do. I always have <laughs> no. We really appreciate your time. So much. And uh, you're very informative and you know a lot of stuff. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you both. You're you're great hosts. I'm more than happy to share this if you'd like. Once it goes live, just uh, send me. Make sure you tag me in it, and I'm I'm more than happy to share it. And I I hope uh, I hope all is well with you and your families. And if you're ever in Dallas, let me know. We would love to host you for dinner. Oh, thank you, thank you so much. That's so nice. If you're in Cleveland, oh yeah, absolutely. Have, thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. You, you too. too. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening today. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. Or you can share the podcast with your friends and tag us. On Insta, you can find us at Health Coach Kamna and WW Chick Leah. Or on Facebook, you can find us at Leah's WW and Health Coach Kamna.